bases. The United States has over, uh, I think, 230 military bases. Wow. Um, Okinawa is another form of imperialism. The island of Okinawa that the United States occupied, the Okinawans have been protesting for decades to have the U.S. military base closed on Okinawa. And the United States will not comply with their sovereign uh, request. Um, what's the other? Uh, Korea. The Koreans are very discontent. The United States has told Korea we'll be responsible for the defense of your nation. Snow Mathers with my motherfuckers ass. You want to know how to rhyme? You better learn how to add. It's mathematics. <laughs> Mighty most definitely. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'm a around science. What are we talking about here? Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Wise the Dome. Today I have a repeat guest, man. He's a great brother, great thinker. Um, has a radio show I'm pretty sure you're all aware of, Brother Diallo. I appreciate you for coming through, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate no it. I appreciate it. Yeah, the first conversation, man. The first, first time it was a great conversation, man. A lot of people came back and, and told me that, uh, you know, they, they learned a lot from it. So I definitely appreciate That's you. Good. I'm glad to hear that. No doubt, no doubt, man. Um, all right, so <laughs> I wanted to bring you back on um, specifically to kind of go through some of this Russia and Ukraine stuff, right? Um, it's all, it's going to be, you know, obviously that's going to be the 24-hour news topic for a while. And there's right. all these different moving parts and different layers to it. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people... Um, a lot, especially our people, but a lot of people in America, period, I would say most, um, hang on the words of mainstream media. And so their perception of what's going on oftentimes is skewed and curated um, for them to feel a certain type of way. And so from the beginning, let's start from the beginning, like, um, what would you do? How would you describe imperialism? What is imperialism to you? Imperialism is a is basically the military uh, um, protocols for capitalism. Imperialism is when one state imposes its will on another state for the purposes of extraction of resources and to deny basically the self determination of another nation. You know, so it is when another state uh, basically takes control of the apparatus, the, the, the well, the state is kind of, there's a difference because, you know, you have nations and you have states. Mm -hmm. So the nation, like a nation isn't really a physical place. Like the nation, people used to mock the nation of Islam because they don't have a uh, physical nation. Right. Or, or there was once a, a comedian on Saturday Night Live said because Farrakhan made anti-Semitic statements that tourism to the nation of Islam is expected to drop. But the nation is actually in the people's mind. Mm -hmm. The nation is, you know, uh, the non-physical aspect of the state, which means the constitutions, the policy, the culture, the ideas of it. And then the state is the physical apparatus, the military, the infrastructure, the, the defined borders and things of that. So the um, when the apparatus of the state is taken over by another nation and controlled and dictated by a nation, another nation, that's imperialism. 
And people get confused because you have the nation, like you have the Congo, you have South Africa, you have Jamaica, you have all these nations that are black. They have black governors and or black heads of state, black prime ministers, black judges. They have constitutions or, or um, other governing documents, but none of the function of the government is actually goes to benefit or serve the citizen. It right. is all extracted, you yeah. know? So uh, imperialism more so, and we get confused because in direct imperial colonization and in colonization is when someone comes and moves into your, you got settler colonialism, like the United States, where the, the colonizers live on the land. And then you have traditional colonialism where you just have a white governor like Rhodesia was once a, a, a traditional colonized. Um, um, Brazil was mm -hmm. colonial settler. So after co colonization ended, people thought, well, we're free, but we're still under imperialism where these European nations uh, exert their will and the, the state, the, the physical aspects, the resources of the nation are dictated, controlled, and prioritized according to the interest of a foreign power. So that's basically how capitalism functions. Um, imperialism, as uh, Lenin called, imperialism was the highest stage of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like you ain't fully capitalist if you're not engaged in imperialism, the economic and military and, and uh, um, material domination of foreign nations. No doubt, no doubt. And so what I'm uh, striving to do in this um, bill that we ha are having today is kind of walk the audience through something, right? So uh, pardon some of the questions if they sound- No, no, it's fine. Yeah. And so as obviously this goes without saying, but um, American <laughs> um, engaging in Im imperialist acts since its inception. But can you give- uh, some examples of American imperialism. Wow. Um, the whole, basically, um, the United States is what in political science would call a global hegemon, which means the whole planet Earth is, is, is under the imperial jurisdiction of the United States. Mm -hmm. And the United States doesn't deny this. Um, it's what they call full spectrum dominance. So the United States, through um, the, the uh, IMF, International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, through its, own, through its domination of the United Nations, mainly through its control of the Security Council of the United Nations, basically has a global empire. Some very targeted, specific examples of US imperialism. Let's go to Cuba. Everyone knows about the embargo that the United States, the 60 plus year embargo, that is a form of imperialism. Putting a blockade or embargo around a nation is an act of war. Indeed. And when you disagree with another nation and you put it in, that's an act of war. The United States also has a, on the, what I think it's the, uh, what direction is that? The Eastern tip of, uh, of Cuba is Guantanamo Bay. Mm -hmm. The United States has literally annexed physical territory. Guantanamo Bay is, is located on the nation of Cuba. And Cuba has requested several times that the United States shut down the Guantanamo naval base, shut down the Guantanamo detention center, and exit Cuban territory. Mm -hmm. 
and the United States refuses. And for the last century, the United States has been, the U.S. government has given Cuba a check for its lease on Cuban territory. And Cuba refuses to cash that check and collect those funds, even when Cuba essentially after the fall of the USSR in, in the early 90s had a full economic implosion because it was cut off from its allyship with the uh, with the Soviet Union. And even then, they refused to accept those funds, billions of dollars in funds from the U.S. government, because if they were to accept those funds, that would legitimize U.S. occupation of the sovereign territory, territory of the U.S., Another form of U.S. imperialism comes in the form of what they call police actions. So the war on terror, uh, United States uh, unilateral and, and unsanctioned attack on Iraq, Iran, Yemen, uh, Syria, and, and some of these wars, you'd be like, U.S. isn't doing it. Any act carried out by Israel or Saudi Arabia, it's mm. called a proxy war. These mm. nations are funded and armed by the United States and they are directed by the United States. They take no actions. So the United States does a lot of imperialism through proxy wars. So Libya, of course, uh, um, the entire horn of Africa, Somalia, military actions, AFRICOM. You can go to the AFRICOM website and they don't even hide it. They, they have military bases. The United States has over, uh, I think 230 military bases. Wow. Um, Okinawa is another form of imperialism. The island of Okinawa that the United States occupied, the Okinawans have been protesting for decades to have the U.S. military base closed on Okinawa, and the United States will not comply with their sovereign uh, request. Um, what's the other? Uh, Korea. The mm -hmm. Koreans are very discontent. The United States has told Korea will be responsible for the defense of your nation and directing of your military. So, I mean, you could literally set up a, a, a map of earth and throw a dart at a, any landmass on earth and you will find places where the United States is in, engaged in military imperialism, where it's not doing direct military occupation, direct military bases. Setting up a military base on foreign soil is imperialistic. United States has military bases throughout Africa, Western Europe. It has a large military base in, in Germany. The United States has a military base in uh, Iraq, uh, in the Green Zone. It has uh, military bases throughout Asia. Mm. But ask yourself, how many foreign nations have military bases mm. on U.S. soil? Right. Not one. one. Not one. And it's not going to happen it's not going to happen. So understand that, that, that. They would look at that as an act of war, right? Uh, uh, well, yeah, because the United States is, the United States claims it's not an act of war because they basically negotiated to set up these bases. Gotcha. Um, the, the understanding that most people outside of the United States have is when the United States comes in, it never leaves. So when the United States comes into your country for whatever reason, for aid, foreign aid, if they like Vieques, there's the island of Vieques that is part of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States. Right. And, and but there was the island of Vieques where the United States cleared all the people off of the. Well, not really. It really located many of them. But that was a bombing site. If you joined the U.S. military and you wanted to be a fighter pilot or a bomber, bombardier, 
you more likely than not between uh, going all the way up until I believe it was 97, 98, that land was used for bombing raids. The land's contaminated, the water, the soil, everything's contaminated. And this is a, just a fun trivia fact. You know, Al Sharpton, people may, you've seen those Al Sharpton memes when Al Sharpton used to be a big fat guy and then he became a little skinny guy. That Al Sharpton was protesting the U.S. bombing of Vieques and mm. the U.S. Naval uh, uh, Air Force Base on Vieques. And when he was put into the tombs, he went on a hunger strike. And that's how he lost all that weight. Oh, he, wow. he went on a hunger strike right. protesting U.S. imperialism. That's how we got skinny Al Sharpton. You know, wow. so if you love Al Sharpton, you can thank U.S. imperialism for helping him lose that weight. And so he'll be around a little longer. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, it's hard. I can give specific examples, but um, gosh, it's, 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 it's so many. Like, the United States um, doesn't like to show its hand. Mm -hmm. um, I, I used to say in the Obama administration, the U United States has an iron grip, has an iron fist that it uses, uses to dominate the world, but it wears a velvet glove. Mm. And what's even more insidious is when the United States comes to you and sends the Marines or blockade your country and say, listen, you're going to do what we say. Um, the more insidious forms is what is called structural adjustment programs which happens is the U.S. funds the World Bank and the IMF. They go to struggling countries and the struggling countries say, well, we want development. We want water purification systems. We want um, road construction. Well, maybe we have an issue with tsunamis. So we want you to build a detection system or we want you to come and develop our tech sector. So the United States will go to a, to, um, a developing nation or a, a third world nation, as it used to be called, and say, well, we'll loan you $13 million. But here's the catch. When we give you this loan, we get to dictate who you hire. Mm. So they'll go to Haiti and say, well, we're going to give you a loan to rebuild after the tsunami mm -hmm. or, or after the earthquake. And then they say, well, in order to do this land excavation, you got to buy caterpillar excavators. Wow. which is based in the United States. So the money they give to these nations come right, right back to U.S. corporations. Mm -hmm. They say, well, you got to go to Tesla, you know, to, to, to buy the, the, the batteries to power the, the, the solar units. As solar units, we're going to help you with solar power, but you got to buy from U.S. corporations. You got to buy Microsoft will set up your school system and wire your internet service. You got to come to Microsoft. You got to go to Lockheed Martin to fund your military. So they loan you this money, demand that you, instead of developing your own independent industries, use U.S. industries and U.S. corporations. So the money goes right back, but the citizens are still responsible for repaying. Hmm. When, the, when the citizens renege or default on the loan, then they come in what is called a structural adjustment program. Basically, they say in these loans, if you default on this loan, you will allow U.S. economists U.S. diplomats, U.S. foreign service members, and the U.S. military, the Pentagon, to come in and set all of your economic priorities, to basically rewrite the budget. Now, you wow. can have whatever laws you want where you see these 
these black nations, rulers of black nations coming up with these laws against gay marriage or coming up with these laws governing this and that, but their entire economy is dictated by foreign interests due to a structural adjustment program. So that the economic imperialism in, 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 uh, since the Cold War has been more devastating and more intensive than old school military um, and uh, imperialism. Wow. And um, literally you cannot find any landmass on planet earth, including Antarctica that isn't affected by this. And that's, that's what I was gonna say, like, obviously this is gonna be an extremely hypothetical question, but let's say we wake up tomorrow and uh, the U.S. no longer has the ability militarily to do these things around the nation, I mean, around the world, um, what happens to the United States, meaning like is imperialism and their imperialist efforts all over the world, the only way for the United States to sustain itself as a world power? Uh, well, the United States can't, well, the United States will no longer become a world power. It might still be because Russia in the Soviet Union was considered a world power. After the Soviet Union dissolved, it became a regional power. Mm -hmm. If the United States lost the capacity, which I want, lost the capacity to uh, dominate the world economically and militarily, what would happen is the United States would e erode and, and eventually collapse. And it will go through a process called balkanization. You can look that up. Balkanization is, is what, huh? Balkanization is balkanization. Well, I, have, I had a book on that, but it's around somewhere. But balkanization is the process when a formerly, because you have nations, different forms of nation, like United States is a republic, mm -hmm. which means uh, you have all these separate states that have their own governors, have their own police force, have National Guards stationed there, but they're all subordinate to the U.S. Constitution. So the federal government is an umbrella government, but you also have local governance, state governance, or re uh, regional governance. Then you have city governance. So you have all these layers of governance. So if the federal government lost its capacity to dominate the world and, and economically exploit the world, what would happen immediately is places like uh, Alaska, Texas, maybe Colorado, Northern California would break from the union. It, mm. it would break from the union. You already have separatist movements in the United States. It's mm -hmm. just that the federal government has such clout and status that they can't get traction. So balkanization is when a nation that was formerly held together by a large central government starts to break down into what is called ethnic enclaves or ethnic mini states. And so what, I, what would happen if the US empire fell or if the federal government lost all legitimacy um, there's a book called Written by a Racist. This is a, a, a racist individual, but he was from military intelligence. He wrote a book called Civil War II, The mm -hmm. Coming Breakup of America. And when I initially saw this, this book, I was actually at a gun show. And I saw this book. I saw the Confederate flag on the front and these rednecks with machine guns on mm -hmm. trucks. And I'm mm -hmm. like, just racism. Mm -hmm. but, and, but I had always remembered that book. And I read up, just one day I was on Google and I read up on the author and I heard an interview by the author and I'm like, this guy is a scholar. He's mm. a racist, but he knows what the hell he's talking about. So eventually I went back to this, you know, uh, I went to Independence, Missouri 
where they have like this gun shop and bookstore, like this, you know, where they sell all the conspiratorial books. And I, long story short, I read the book and he's very clear. He gives a list of characteristics or things that happen in a nation where nations break down. Mm. And he was in uh, Sarajevo. He was in Bosnia. He had been to all these places where they had balkanization, where the, the nations dissolved into ethnic conflicts like right now what's happening in russia that's a that's tribal warfare that's white tribal warfare mm-hmm. and right. and basically united states would dissolve into tribes you have large amount of, of of latino people you have white areas you have the urban centers or black centers where the majority of black people are concentrated and they're all hostile they're all basically antagonistic mm-hmm. and what keeps a lot of people, groups, away from, from cutting other groups or, or banging on other groups is the strength of the federal government, federal policing agencies, you know, hate crimes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see, with like uh, January 6th, the United States is losing legitimacy and it's losing either right. its capacity, it still has the capacity, mm-hmm. but more so it's losing the will to keep the cohesion of the federal state. Indeed, indeed. So, so a short answer is: if the United Federal Government, if the empire collapsed, which would lead to an economic collapse, which would lead in a total loss of confidence in the federal state, the United States would fall into balkanization, which would make it even a more danger because many of these many states, these these ethno states, will be nuclear, have nuclear weapons and nuclear mm-hmm. bombs. Because right. the U.S. military is spread all over the country, and right. so what the in order to justify the bloated military budget, they put little pieces of the military bases, weapons manufacturing, uh, mobile weapons platforms, submarine depots. They put them all over the country. So if the United States broke up into fifteen different little ethno states, each of those ethno states would have like twenty to fifty nuclear bombs. You know, it's crazy. Damn! Damn! Um, and so that kind of brought up something. Uh, do you what do you think January 6th made the United States look like on a global scale? Like we know what it looks like to um, domestically. We know what it looks like and how the news framed it, whether it was um, liberal news or, or, or Fox News. We know it's pretty much they all kind of framed it the same. But how do you think it looked on a global scale? Did it make us look? Well, and I don't want to say us because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not a part of them, but you know what I mean, uh, figuratively speaking. How did it make America look? Well, I think it, 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 well, the pandemic, Trump's election, and the January 6th riot actually exposed the United States for what it was. Mm. I think the rest of the world, it understands that America is basically a well armed maniac. It, it is a, uh, a dysfunctional nation. It is a uh, internally corrupt nation. And um, I think a lot of people who depend, like uh, Western Europe, uh, the UK, France, Canada, Israel, Australia, a lot of the white colonial settler states and the Western European powers are like, damn, you know, um, our big dog, our, our big brother, our, our leader is um, eroding from the inside. It's rotten from the core. So I think as far as the Western world, 
or Christendom, as it used to be called, the white mm -hmm. Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the right Christian, the, I think those nations kind of got a wake-up call to say that we're not going to be able to depend on the United States. Um, after Great Britain uh, lost its colonies, all of the Western powers kind of looked to the United States and say, okay, we'll follow your lead. You'll be the white hegemon. And now I think they're going to scramble to look for another that I think they're trying to revert back mm -hmm. to the European Union mm -hmm. to say, well, let's see if the European Union can take the mantle as the white global hegemon, because the United States, even though it hold, it is currently the global hegemon, its grip is loosening. Right. That as far as the, 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 the nations that seek to challenge global white hegemony uh, nations, you have what is called the BRICS nation, which is Brazil. Russia, India, and China, those nations are seeing opportunities. And you'll see that India is making great incursions into Africa. Like if you look at the Ugandan economy is uh, dominated by Indians. When um, Idi Amin took over in the decolonial struggle, he kicked all the Indians out because they dominated the economy. And now they have come back and, and, and in a generation and a half, and now they dominate even more of the economy. So India's making, I don't even have to speak on China's um, imperialist ambition. Brazil wants to be a dominant, well, Brazil was moving towards um, what is called a, uh, uh, a pinko revolution, socialist. Brazil was leading with, first it was in Venezuela. Venezuela, uh, Brazil, Bolivia, leftist governments, so right. um, they were making a lot, like India's going right wing. Mm -hmm. Brazil was taking over, but Bolsonaro was basically put in power. It was basically what they call a bloodless coup d'etat. They mm -hmm. arrested uh, the socialist president of Brazil and they put in basically a, a Brazilian Manian. Trump. This yeah. Manian, right. So Brazil was making moves along allied with Cuba, allied with uh, Venezuela to bring about a leftist non-alignment movement. So uh, the BRICS nation um, and the European nations say, hey, we have to regroup and recenter our power. The other non-alignment nations who were independent of the, the or, or outside of that white club, basically were saying we can make some expansionist moves, but still, they they had some successes and they had some failures, yeah. but that that Latin Americans shift towards the left, I think it's all but inevitable. But there's so much fighting. When people are talking about the United States has so many clandestine operations in Latin America going on right now to try to upend Latin America's tendency to move towards leftist and socialist revolution. So yep. that's basically, um, unfortunately, Africa did not really join. I think Africa should join the pink. Uh, they call it a pink because it's not fully communist. It's not fully socialist, but it has socialist and leftist leanings. Mm -hmm. um, Nigeria, um, but Africom is basically, Africa's a sleeping giant. Uh, Africa, is, if, if South Africa could link, but it's, it's not taking advantage of it. So Africa's pretty much waiting for other people to make decisions for them. In many ways, you do have some movements in Africa, but they haven't taken formal power. Most of the progressive movements in Africa are fighting against their own nations. Right. They're not like nations that are united fighting against foreign powers because the African activists are still trying to fight the corrupt neo-colonial 
forces within their own nation. Right. So, but it is happening. South Africa with the economic freedom fighters, Nigeria with the movement of the people, Ghana has progressive movements, Kenya has progressive movements. But in Latin America, many of the progressive movements have taken power. They're not fighting mm-hmm. against their government. They are the government. Right. Whereas in Africa, they're fighting. And I think some of them will be progressive. I mean, successful if they move fast enough before the Western powers can regroup. So the world is in upheaval. It is in a state of flux Mm. um, and upheaval. And uh, it's ripe for a restructuring. But when things collapse, they can fall to the left or right. Right. You know, things are changing, but that doesn't mean things are going to change for the better. But ultimately, the European Western powers are trying to regroup and see if they can either prop the United States back up to be the hegemon or if they have to reorient and, and, and the, the white nation that's best situated, believe it or not, to take over if the U.S. falls. Because like when Great Britain fall, fell, the United States took over, took the baton. Um, the United States doesn't want to surrender the baton because the United States is the strongest white military power in the world. But Germany is very well positioned mm. economically. The German economy is very strong, and Germany has always had desires to to take over the Western world. And it tried twice to take over Western Europe through military forces. And this whole BRICS thing, the Brexit, was all about the British. They didn't like Polish people and other non-white white white people coming into the off-white whites coming. But another part of this is that Brexit is dominated by Germany. And they didn't want a Germany dictating their policies. So they're trying to regroup. The non-white world is either waiting on the other, the status quo to be reestablished or changed and see where they can position themselves. But other nations are looking to unseat or provide a balance of power to the West, you know, which is mainly India, the BRICS, uh, uh, Brazil, but more so China, Russia, and, and India. And so what is NATO and what is its purpose? NATO is the uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO was established to stop the spread of the Soviet Union and undo the influence of the Soviet Union. Basically, um, the Soviet Union was very popular after World War II. Outside of the United States, Everyone knew that it was the Soviets, the communists, who defeated the Nazis. The Soviets were the people who took the brunt of the battle. And so the United States so and the, the British, the Italians, the, the French, the, the Austrians, uh, the Polish, everyone knew that not just the Soviets, but the Russians, but the Communist Party, there were very powerful communist anarchist parties throughout Western Europe prior to World War II. And the first people to take up arms against the Nazis and organize the stiffest resistance against the Nazis were the communists. If not for communism, you and I would be dead and the rest of the world would be speaking German because the Germans would have won World War II if not for the stiff resistance of the communists and Hitler getting bogged down on the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. Hitler wanted to colonize Ukraine and Poland and what he called Liebenstrom. He wanted to, because he knew some of the most fertile land 
in all of Europe is in that region, in that northern, central, and eastern Europe, some of the most fertile land. And he called that land Liebenstrom. And he wanted to colonize that land to breed white people and to grow food, to feed big, strong white people to take over the rest of the world. And um, there's a myth in history that Stalin was compromising with Hitler, that Stalin was afraid and confused by Hitler, but Stalin was negotiating with Hitler to um, stall for time to industrialize. When, when the communist revolution came, Russia was a backwards economy. It was a very backwards nation. And so he had to industrialize that country. What took Great Britain 250 years to do, uh, Stalin did in about 15 to 20 years, wow, right. which has never been accomplished. But anyway, that's I, I don't know how much backstory to get. Long story short, the Western capitalist powers knew that communism and socialism was very attractive to people all over the world. You had communist and socialist uprisings all over the world, including in the United States. You had socialists and communists. The Black Panther Party right. uh, were raising money selling Mao's Little Red Book, which is basically mm -hmm. communist ideology and communist methodology. So the United States said, listen, uh, now that... Um, and the United States and the Soviet Union were part of the Allied powers. They were buddies. Right. Stalin and, and, and Truman were homies. But NATO was established along with other things like Operation Gladio and Operation Paperclip. Uh, to Paperclip is when they, uh, to, the Germans over, right? To work Operation with. Paperclip is when the United States smuggled Nazis, mainly mm. Nazi scientists, uh, out of the out of uh, France, out of Germany, and out of the Western nations to bring them to the United States to work on various, everything from jet propulsion to nuclear bombs. But they also resettled Nazis. Many Nazis resettled in Latin America. There's a book called The Boys of Brazil. And um, I think they made a they movie of that. It talks about the, the, yeah, you, you meet a lot of uh, Latino people, Spanish-speaking Latino people with German mid last names. Right. But, you know, that's another thing about South America. The Germans went to South America because South America had accomplished what the Germans failed to do, ethnic cleansing and genocide. Mm. You know, wow. Spain colonized, Spain and Portugal committed, successfully exterminated several uh, uh, Latin from the, the Colonagos, the, 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 the Arawaks, and, right. you know, right. wiped out many people. Right. And, and then we think... Latino people ain't white folks. They're white folks. You right. know, right. Latin is from Europe. Spanish yeah. is from Europe. It's from right. Spain. But so the, the racial ideology of Latin America is consistent with Nazi ideology. Mm. In fact, I always say the German military lost the war, but the German ideology won the world because we live right. under a white supremacist genocidal uh, global system right now, but that's that's a whole nother thing. You ask about NATO. No, There's so awesome. much history there. <laughs> Basically, NATO was established to stop the spread of communism, but they said communism was spreading because of all these insidious communist agents, and they went hunting for communists. Communists are everywhere. Remember what they told us about the terrorists? When you were more likely in America to be struck by lightning mm -hmm. or hit by a car than you were to be killed. In fact, in the United States, you're more likely to be killed by a police officer, police, right? a U.S. police officer, than you are by a terrorist. But they had us all scared of terrorists. They yeah. had us scared of people who weren't even Muslim, the Sikh people, 
Right. You know, they right. were scared of people from the Hindu people. Anybody that wasn't Christian and white was a potential threat. Anybody that didn't speak a fluent English or Spanish, we thought was a, a Bin Laden. So anyway, they did the same thing with the communists, had everybody scared of something that was not a threat. They basically said there were communists everywhere. And every time anything happened, when black people stood up and said, we're tired of lynching, they literally said, oh, there must be a communist cell in the black community causing black people to rise up against lynching. They said that Martin Luther King went to a communist training yeah. camp. Right. You know, like even now when you speak up, online they like if you went online in in the in the uh 2016 election and said i'm not voting for hillary she has a history of of, of mass incarceration and, and overt racism people are like you must be a russian bot yeah. they've been accusing black people since 1919 1919 they've been accusing any black people that speak independently of being controlled by russians so anyway they told the world that there were these insidious plots by the Russian agents all over the world to take away your freedom, that Russians hated our freedoms, that Russians wanted to undo democracy and put everybody under communist dictatorship. When communist dictatorship is an oxymoron, Right. Even though at that time there were dictatorships all over the world and every single one of them was a capitalist dictatorship. Mm. They had people living under capitalist dictatorship coming to tell them that a communist dictatorship wanted to take freedoms they never had. So anyway, that was the purpose of NATO. It was an, a military uh, it was a military uh, treaty saying that if communists expand, beyond the Soviet Union, the Soviet bloc, or what we call the United States in the 80s, the Iron Curtain, then they will unite. If communists attack any of the NATO nations, all the nations will attack. But it was supposed to be a passive thing, meaning that it's a mutual defense treaty, meaning yeah. that if you are attacked by a Soviet Union, we will defend you. Mm -hmm. But that was a lie and a cover. They put trillions of dollars into NATO and NATO went on the offensive to attack when it was supposed to be a defense thing. So if you and I live in a, in a um, violent neighborhood and your family and my family, we live in a gang neighborhood. And then I was like, yo, dog, yo, if, if any trouble come to your house, I'm gonna get my guns and come help you. And any trouble come to my house, you get your guns. We're gonna defend each other's family. If your son is in trouble, if your family's in trouble, any beef come us, we're gonna defend each other. We're gonna unite and have a mutual defense. And then, after I make that agreement, you come outside and you see me across the street robbing the gang and provoking <laughs> the gang. And I'm shooting at the end. And you're like, whoa. And then the war starts. And you're yeah. like, man, we weren't supposed to start the fight. So that's what NATO did. Mm. And NATO went into North Africa. NATO was part of. But anyway, in 1993, 94, the Soviet Union dissolved. Mm -hmm. The very purpose for the existence of NATO ended in the early 90s. And there was this alcoholic buffoon named Boris Yeltsin, who yeah. was the premier of, of the Soviet Union. And he was going to transfer Russia from a communist uh, and, a, and, a, and a league of Soviets and turn it into a federation, a capitalist federation. And first George Bush, the first George Bush, Papa Bush, and then Bill Clinton told Boris, if you dissolve the Soviet Union, 
If you pull back the Iron Curtain, if you take down the Berlin Wall, which they did, if you do all, they were giving them all these things. If you, because uh, the economy was a centralized economy. If they say, if you decentralize and privatize your economy, we will not, we will not advance NATO. If you let Poland, if you let Ukraine, if you let Serbia, if you let Belarus, if you let all these Soviet nations that were part of the Soviet Union be their own nation, we promise that we will not bring them into NATO because there's no purpose for NATO to exist. It would be like if the Soviet Union came to the United States and said, listen, United States, if you end the federal government and you let every state in the United States become its own independent government, so Missouri, the government, the, the, the Missouri governor becomes the president of Missouri and there's nobody over him. Florida becomes its own independent nation. New York becomes its own. Illinois becomes its own independent nation. He said, if you dissolve the federal government, you dissolve the, 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 the National Guard, you dissolve and tear down the Pentagon, and you dissolve the, you, the U.S. Air Force, and you dissolve it, we promise that we will dismantle all our nukes, and we will take down the Iron Curtain. So the United States does all that, and then the, the Soviet Union brings 50 more countries into the Soviet Union, and they bring Mexico into the Soviet Union, and they bring Canada into the wait, Soviet wait, Union. Wait, they brought Mexico and Canada into the no, Soviet Union? No, I'm saying if, oh, said, if they did. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. they did, that's the type of scenario. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if the Cold War ended, and then the and instead of dissolving the Soviet Union, the Russians came and told Mexico, hey, join the Soviet Union and let us put Soviet missiles in your country. Right. And they went to Canada. And told Canada, Canada joined the Soviet Union and let us put missiles in your country. What do you think the United States would do? We don't have to guess. The Bay of Pigs incident gives us evidence of what the United States did. So anyway, NATO was supposed to be dissolved. Yeah. If it wasn't going to be dissolved, NATO was not supposed to advance into Russian sphere of influence. Even though it was no longer the Soviet Union, the Russians had what is called a sphere of influence, which means the nations that border its country pretty much negotiate and have diplomatic relationships with Russia above everybody else. Because you want to be cool with your neighbor more so than the guy up the block, you know? Mm -hmm. So the United States violated every single agreement it had with Russia. Right. They violated every single agreement and Russia's economy collapsed. Russia literally, if you look up, you know, post-Soviet cannibalism, there was cannibalism, riots, malnutrition, um, the Russian oligarchs stole literally trillions of dollars. They were selling off oil, selling off Russia's uh, resources for pennies of the dollar. Um, Soviet Union was a basket case. Mm -hmm. And that's where Putin came in with yeah. his hard man, strong man tactics. And a lot of people loved Putin because they were like, he brought some stability and functionality. So NATO started, NATO orchestrated and coordinated with the war on terror. NATO coordinated and orchestrated the attack and destabilization of all of North Africa from, from Yemen to, to, to Libya. So NATO has expanded up to the border of Russia. I think there's about a dozen, maybe 12 to 17 former Soviet states that have become NATO uh, signatories. And so it's an anti-Soviet, anti-Russian military alliance that is on Russia's border. 
Hmm. If Russia did that to the United States, if Russia came to Mexico, came to Jamaica, if Russia came to Canada or Nova Scotia or Greenland and negotiated a military neutral defense treaty and then began to arm the Mexican military with Russian weapons, begin to put Russian weapons platforms and Russian military bases on their land, the United States would have acted 10 times faster and 10 times worse than Stalin, than, than Putin is right now. Wow. Right. The United States would have been bombing Mexico long before right. and occupied Mexico long before. Russia was actually extremely patient. Russia was probably too patient because Russia didn't act until it's basically too late because the United States has already encircled Russia. In fact, that's what the beef in this South China Sea is. The United States is trying to militarily encircle China the same way, but China is acting faster. Is that through Taiwan? Taiwan and the South China Sea. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to set up bases and trying to militarily and have naval, uh, it's called full spectrum dominance. The United States wants to dominate land, militarily dominate land, air, sea, and space. Mm -hmm. Satellites and, 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 and outer orbital drones and things. The United States wants full spectrum dominance. And the United States consider any challenge to its dominance, whether it's military challenge, whether it's an economic challenge, even cultural and ideological challenges, it considers it a threat. Mm -hmm. And the United States reserves what is called, what, what did Bush used to say? Preemptive strike. Yes. The United States uh, wants to preemptively strike. It's called, and, and the formal policy is where you can look it up, uh, the Project for a New American Century, which basically says after the fall of the Soviet Union, the United States became a sole superpower, only one superpower on the entire planet. And they will work diligently to make sure that this is a permanent condition, wow. that no other nation will be allowed to set itself up to economically or militarily rival the United States. And mm -hmm. any nation that, that is elevating to economically or militarily rival the United States will be defined as a threat, a terrorist, uh, 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 whatever they say in uh, Putin, everything they're saying about Putin, and the United States will attack. Wow. And, and so um, Russia now, all right, no, before we go there, before we go there, so we know historically um, that, and a lot of people don't know the history, but we know historically um, Africans in America, um, a lot of us that were taught about socialism and communism from early on, you know, begin to, even from the sharecroppers, like I was watching, um, I was watching uh, Great Debaters, right, the other day in Wiley, Texas, and, you know, people don't realize, like, the, you know, Denzel's character, like, he was a communist. He was leading a damn communist revolution with the sharecroppers in his town, you know, and, uh, and uh, but what is it about communism if, like, all right, let's say I'm my own nation, right, and, okay, Rakim, I want to, my nation, we, you know, we're going to deal in communism. The, 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 the workers are going to own the means of production. We're going to do our thing. Mm. How is that a threat to 
America because America is it on a is it a, is it culturally is it because other other people because its own citizens may look and say hey look well you know through communism and or socialism or whatever we chose whatever ism um, we've brought out uh, uh, their citizens out of poverty um, and 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 you know we've built this and we've built that and look what the look what they're they've been able to do when the when the citizen own own the means of, of production like is that is that is that the cultural threat that you were talking about or is it more to that yeah i mean you answered your question it is called officially in political uh when i was a, a political science student they called it a threat of a good example mm. now look at it this way Whenever an individual, I don't know if you know anyone that's been in an abusive, intimate relationship through domestic violence, mm -hmm. every abuser does at least two things to their victims that they must do. Number one, they have to isolate them. They have to isolate their victims. And what do they all tell their victims? Don't nobody else want you. Right, right. Where are you going to go from here? Ain't nobody who's going to treat you. You could let dudes will literally have their foot on a woman's neck and tell them, ain't nothing, ain't nothing better for you out there. Mm. And that's what they fear the most is, is that, and the reason they isolate their victims is because they, they fear that someone will interact with the victim and show the victim that they do have worth, independent right. and apart from their abuser. So the United States is, capitalism is an abusive relationship. Number one, it's predatory. Mm -hmm. It is a predatory economic system. It is an abusive and exploitative economic system. And the last thing they want anyone on the world to do is to see people living in abundance, living in freedom, living with personal autonomy and collective connection. Um, Marx said that, that, that capitalism leads ultimately to alienation. We see all these Kanye West, these black billionaires who lose their goddamn mind, you know, mm -hmm. uh, through, through, through the alienation. I mean, you could read the Communist Manifesto and it looked like it was written a week ago right. from, from the, the international conflict, mm -hmm. the economic instability, the constant bailouts and so on and so forth. So the problem with socialism and communism is that um, they're viable systems that would give demonstrate to other people. That's why you look at uh, uh, Maurice Bishop in Grenada, countries mm -hmm. that have no threat, pose absolutely no military threat to the United States. And they decide we're gonna set up a communist or a socialist regime and the United States invades and assassinates the leaders. Right. Even, and you can say, well, they didn't, have, they didn't even have a military. They don't have oil in their soil. Like uh, Grenada, their number one export was nutmeg. You know, <laughs> right? Damn. So there was no advances. It's pure ideology. But the problem is, socialism works, mm -hmm. communism works, and the United States can't allow a functional system because United States is a predatory abuser. So United States goes to every other country and says, "Who gonna love you better than me?" Capitalism say, right. "Don't nobody want you. If you leave me, where you think you gonna go? You used up." Right. So it's, it's the same tactic for an individual preying on an individual or a whole nation preying on a whole planet or a capitalist system or economic system preying on its workers and citizens or a, a system uh, preying on 
uh, uh, other sovereign nations. It's the same basic tactics that all predators have to use. The problem with socialism, and people are like, socialism doesn't work. Uh, socialism, every time you look at a socialist company, country, it fails. And I, and, uh, I ask people, give me an example of a failed socialist nation. And every time, inevitably, they name a nation. You know, uh, Ghana tried to set up, you know, uh, Kwame Nkrumah was a socialist and he tried to set up. And I'm like, did socialism fail him or did a CIA-directed coup d'etat fail him? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, Patrice Lumumba, he was a socialist and he was in the Congo and look at the Congo. I said, did Patrice Lumumba, did socialism fail Patrice Lumumba or did a CIA-orchestrated coup d'etat and assassination? Oh, look at Venezuela. That's a contemporary. Oh, Venezuela was socialist. And they ignore the stats in Venezuela. Venezuela uh, reduced poverty by more than half, mm -hmm. expanded uh, life expectancy by almost a decade. And this was in four to five years. Right. What other nations? Um, I mean, this, the list goes on. They ignore that. And then they also ignore the attempted coup d'etat under uh, Bush tried to carry out coup d'etats. Uh, Chavez died of a rare, rare cancer. And I don't want to get my conspiracy hat on, but I right, yeah, I need my tinfoil like hat. I gotta get yeah. my tinfoil hat. But yeah. um basically Venezuela was a success story. Venezuela was was uh using its oil revenues to to um increase the standard of living modernized their nation, and they were giving money to Cuba. They were giving money to Haiti. They gave billions of dollars to develop Haiti. They even, after Hurricane Katrina, offered to give free fuel to the people and were, were, were doing and, and putting forth more efforts. And the United States said, we'd rather see them Black people in Katrina starve before they get uh, Cuban support from Venezuela. And, then the U and, and U Venezuela has been under unrelenting siege. Mm -hmm. And before Putin made his move, Maduro was the worst dictator in the world. He was the Hitler. Everybody's the Hitler. They went into Panama and took over Noriega. And they were like, oh, Noriega's Hitler. And every time they invade and unseat one of these people, some weird copy of Mein Kampf turns up in the office. You know, people that, that Hitler would have gassed if given the opportunity all of a sudden love Hitler. It just doesn't make sense. But that's the number one threat of socialism. Socialism works. And how do I know? Every single time the United States has gotten in trouble, economically, it has employed socialist policies to bail it out. Right, right. The American mm -hmm. economy is socialist. Right. The best things about everything you love about America is the socialism in America. Mm -hmm. The same thing about Western Europe. People are like, oh, Western Europe, the so-called first world. But under Noam Chomsky has identified is that socialism is reserved for the elites and right. the upper classes. The right. only people who living out the capitalist nightmare of doggy dog relentless competition to the death are the poor and working classes. Mm. Elon Musk don't fuck with socialism because soon as Elon Musk, the majority of his contracts and funding come from the federal government, not private enterprise. The internet, Microsoft was set up. The internet was invented through public funding. All those uh, cables, the, the internet is run through cables that were laid out across the ocean. The government funded all of that. Government funding is socialism. Right. Centralized funding, centralized regulation is socialism. You know, the stock market is regulated. So 
when when Obama bailed out, uh, you know, Wall Street. Socialism. Let me tell you something. The whole economy of the United States is socialism. There's only one aspect of the U.S. economy that's not socialistic, and that's the distribution. Mm. Right. Production in the United States is socialized. Deve research and development in the United States is socialized. Labor is socialized. The only thing about every economy in the world is socialist. The only time capitalism enters the economy, free enterprise, is when it comes to distribution. When the money and the resources is distributed, when the ownership is distributed, that's capitalistic. But if you go to your job tomorrow and you behave like a capitalist, they'd be like, where are all the pencils? You know, brother, he took all, I got, well, I, I worked hard, I organized, I got all the pencils. And then they were like, well, we're working on this project and uh, the brother won't share his information. Well, you know, Rakeem, he ain't going to share his information. Well, it's my intellectual property. If you went to work tomorrow, I don't care what capitalist corporations you work for. If you went to work tomorrow and behaved like a capitalist, hoarding information, hoarding supplies, hoarding everything you can and getting all your cubicles full of, I don't know if you work in a but your cubicle got everything and, every, and, and, and nobody else's cubicle got shit. They would fire your ass. And you'd be like, I thought this was a capitalist country. <laughs> True. I mean, company. And what do they tell you when you get hired somewhere? Welcome to the family. Yeah. <laughs> all our team. Yeah. Everybody, nobody's above. Even if you're a manager, nobody's above because everybody's voice matters. That's socialism. Because you can't get shit accomplished with capitalism. Capitalism has mm -hmm. given us nothing. Airplane. They try to act like everything was invented by some individual working in a, in a tinker shop. Yeah. Thomas Edison was working in a tinker shop. Fucking Thomas Edison was over a in, in a large government funding laboratory that had like 300 scientists. Yep, just taking credit for the patent. Right. The internet wasn't some geeky white boy Bill Gates sitting tinkering away in a room. Fucking Trump is a capitalist, right? Can Trump, what is, where did he make his money? In real estate, building skyscrapers. Can Trump do drywall? Hmm. Is Trump, can Trump, is he an architect, an electrician? Is he a welder? What right. the fuck does Trump build? Right, right. What does he build? Shit, nothing. nothing. Why is he on the skyscraper right down in town, downtown Chicago? If I walked up to King Drive right now and looked down, I could see Trump Tower hmm. from right. Bronzeville. What the fuck did Trump do to erect that tower? Hmm. And the people who died building that shit, the people who clean that shit and maintain that shit, I wouldn't walk into, I wouldn't let Trump build a Lego set for me, <laughs> let alone build a skyscraper. So that's what capitalism is. It's a fucking lie. It's legalized theft. Profit yeah. is theft. Right. You know, Trump don't build shit. I mean, how many packages has just Bezos delivered? Shit, not a one. Not a one. What does he do for Amazon? And and look and look and speaking of him, look at how he aggressively fights his workers whenever they attempt to unionize. Right, because unions disrupt the distribution. Right. Capitalism only, but they'll tell you, you go look at any Amazon commercial, right? And they'll be like, well, those happy factory workers and we're all together. They got that one coon. Who's that muscle-bound coon? Terry oh, Crews uh, doing, dancing a jig in the factory, <laughs> driving a forklift. They want you to behave like so because socialism is nothing. This is what socialism is. Mm -hmm. Cooperation and sharing. Mm -hmm. All the other shit, 
um, dialectical and historical materialism, uh, valuation, and all, all this other complex shit that they put on top of it. Socialist socialism is cooperate and share. Mm. Mm. That's it. Right. Right. Capitalism is extract and accumulate. Mm. Get put in as little as you can to get out as much as you can, and right. then hold on to as much as that. Extract and accumulate. People say I love capitalism. They don't know what the fuck capitalism is. They, they can't sure take shit. They haven't well read the Wealth of Nations. Right. They don't know shit. Just like the people. Oh, I hate communism. They haven't read Marx. They haven't read Nkuma. They don't know shit about shit, but except for what the capitalist media tells them. So, you know, capitalism and socialism is a threat. Humanity is a threat to this system. People who behave humanely. You know, if you're a doctor, the best trained doctor in the world, and a child comes to you with a curable disease, and you have to say, well, I looked at your paperwork, and you don't have the insurance. And you have to let that child die. It makes you an inhumane person. Right. You know, I worked into healthcare for 13 years. I had to walk away from that shit mm. because of that. Mm. It's an inhumane, dysfunctional system. Yeah. Right. And, and everywhere, capitalism is the dominant system in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But outside of Europe, there's literally no place that capitalism was embraced or, or asked for. Nobody went to Europe and said, please teach us your ways. Right. Teach us your ways. Right. Please bring your ways to us. Everywhere they went, they coerced. United States, the white, the Western powers have committed genocide on every populated landmass except for Antarctica, mm. Africa, North and South America, Central Asia, Middle East, Australia, New Zealand. Every populated landmass, the Western capitalist powers have committed genocide because if they didn't, they wouldn't have been able to set up their economic system. They went into societies like the, the Kenyan people, the Maasai people, who had no concept of ownership and money, right. and imposed working for labor. You work to produce. You work to provide. You don't work for money. That was an alien. Why would, Why not cut? There's an old saying, and now I'll, I'll stop. But there's this old story that there was this African, this primitive African sitting under a tree, drinking a beverage and enjoying the shade. And a European came to him and says, you, need, you can't just sit up under this tree. You have to get up and, 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 and work. And he said, well, why do I have to work? He said, so you can build industry. And he said, why do I have to build industry? And he said, so you can expand the economy. So why do I have to build, expand an economy so you can, you can uh, arm the nation? He said, why do I have to arm the nation to defend my wealth? Why do you have to defend my wealth? He said, so you can be a competitive power. He said, why do I need to be a competitive power? So you see, you can accumulate more. He said, why do I need to accumulate more? And he said, because once you accumulate all the wealth, then you can relax under a tree. <laughs> and you can put your feet up and relax. Right, right. And we are, yeah. You know, it's a fucking insane system. It's literally yeah. insanity. Collective yeah. psychosis. Right. Menticide and, 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 and uh, psychopathic. Whites are psychopathic. Africans are menticidal. Mm. Mm. And you know, a lot of people who are proponents of capitalism who don't really understand it always point to the fact that it's some niggas out here in the United States of America that have made millions of dollars, you know, a lot of times entertaining. And you can't ever, but you can't ever 
judge the few that you know were able to uh, accumulate that type of wealth and make that the basis in your economic analysis of an entire people because shit like that's that's not true representation but what i wanted to ask you and so now that we have that framework and and um and uh, and so bringing along bringing the uh, conversation further along to where i kind of wanted to take it russia now are they that they would be considered a capitalist nation now correct Commune, uh, um, uh, Vladimir Putin is a, is a billionaire and he has absolutely no interest in being a communist or returning Russia to its communist uh, history. Okay. All right. And so with that said, what is going on in Russia and Ukraine? Like the, a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, will be tuning in um, a lot of times, you know, they rely on, you know, radio shows like yours and shows like this and, and, and the few things that they are able to find that give them an unbiased, um, you know, analysis on what's really happening. And so I know I just because, you know, we will we'll scroll down social media and you'll see. Um, black folks talking about, you know, pray for Ukraine. And that's like, obviously, a telltale sign that they don't really understand um, in totality what is happening and what's taking place and, and who the Ukrainians are and what they're doing um, to black people. But we'll get, we'll get to that in a moment. But what, as far as this threat of war or war um, between Ukraine and Russia, and United States involvement, I guess, via proxy in NATO. What's all? What's happening here? As for why is Russia invading Ukraine? Yes. Um, well, before the buildup on the border, um, the Russian Federation, through its diplomatic, uh, through its diplomats, sent a list of demands to the United States, and well. It sent a list of demands to the United Nations, the European Union, and NATO. And basically, he said that he wanted a guarantee that um, Ukraine would not be allowed to join the NATO alliance. And he also wanted to um, um, wanted the current. Let me just pull that. Um, the former Soviet republics. There are form. There are seven. Yeah. I thought it was more than that. God damn. Okay. Putin's doing a little better than I thought. Okay, there, there are uh, seven, the Baltic states, seven former Soviet nations that are part of NATO that he wants to be expelled from NATO. So basically, Putin is saying, this military alliance that you have, I want, he, Putin is basically asking the United States to make good on the promises made by George W. Bush and the Bill Clinton administration way back in the early 90s not to expand NATO up to the Russian border and not to allow former Soviet bloc nations uh, to uh, join NATO. That was a request. And the Western power said, that's a non-starter. Absolutely not. We will not expel any 
of the, the former Soviet nations from NATO, and we will not guarantee you that we will not bring the bring Ukraine into NATO. Now, all these motherfuckers talking about pray for Ukraine, right? Back in 2016, there was a coup d'etat in the Ukraine. Right. There was a leader. Wasn't it funded by the Obama administration? Yes, it was what, uh, I can't remember his name. There was an ousted in 2016, what's his name? Victor Yakonovich, right? Uh, wait, is that the one? No. There, anyway, in 2016, there was a Russian president elected, who a, a Ukrainian president, I'm sorry, a Ukrainian president elected, and he went to the Ukrainian people and said, I have no interest in joining NATO or the European Union. I think it is prudent that since we border a nuclear superpower, even though it's not a global superpower, it's a regional superpower, that I'm going to negotiate terms with the Soviet Union. I'm going to establish diplomatic ties with the Soviet Union and increase our economic ties to the Soviet Union because it's only prudent. Why would I go to Western Europe or the United States when I border a superpower? And so he was elected mm -hmm. democratically on that promise. And then all of a sudden he's thrown out of office. And where was the fucking pray for Ukraine's now? Right. Where was all the respect for Ukrainian sovereignty and Ukrainian democracy in 2016? And so then there was another quote unquote anti-NATO uh, president who also ran on anti-NATO. Because you couldn't get elected in the, in the early and mid 2000 to 20 teens, you couldn't get elected to to a nationwide office in Ukraine without telling the people, "I'm not going to take us to war with Russia." That's basically what they're saying. I'm not going to be for Russia because it's essentially suicide. It's ridiculous. It would be like Mexico trying to beef with the United States. Mexico gets fucked over by the United States daily. It looks at its citizens on the border, their children being put in. Mexico gets fucked over by the Mexico daily. They got rednecks driving up and down the Mexican border, killing Mexican citizens. And Mexico's like, well, you know, mm -hmm. this is a, a big-ass country with a big-ass economy and even bigger missiles. Mm -hmm. So anytime I have issues with it, I have to be diplomatic. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Right. You know, you live in a gang-infested neighborhood and you one man. You right. might not like the gangs, but and you're going to say, hey, y'all mind turning down the music? Y'all mind moving that hustle up the block? I remember my grandmother had a, a trap house. We called it a dope house back then, catacorner to her house. Mm. And she'd be like, move it up the block, you know? And, and on Sundays, give me my Sundays to listen to my gospel music and go to church. You negotiate yeah. with a stronger power. It just makes sense. Put yeah. your ego aside. That's why you want diplomats to be rational people, not nationalists. So anyway, anyway. Putin made this request. He wanted them to move back, get off my border. And the United States said no, and then responded. But during the Trump administration, Trump was actually trying to undermine NATO. People say he was a Russian puppet. I tend to believe that he had some type of undue, that the Kremlin had some undue influence on Trump. Mm -hmm. But that's neither here nor there. The Literally, probably the only policy 
that I had is that he questioned the legitimacy of NATO. Yeah. He wanted to reduce the United States NATO obligations. He wanted to reduce the funding, reduce the number of troops and the, the weapons that the US put into NATO. And he had this rhetoric of he wanted the Western European nations to pay their fair share for NATO. But the Western European nations don't want to pay their quote unquote fair share of NATO because they know that NATO is nothing more than an extension of the US military yeah. and an extension of US imperialist intentions. <coughs> So even though they signed the paper, they pretty much know this is America's thing. And so it, we're basically stooges. Mm. So in that time, when uh, Putin had under the Obama administration annexed Crimea and, and all of that, under people are under the false impression that say, hey, Trump could stop Putin. And if Trump was reelected, we wouldn't have this. And it's true. If Trump was reelected, this war with Ukraine would not exist mm -hmm. simply because Putin wouldn't have to take the Ukraine because Russia, because Trump would have given it to him. Right. But people falsely believe that Trump had some power that Biden doesn't have or some influence over Russia's intentions and agendas that he doesn't have. They've got it totally warped. Now, Putin has been struggling to reassert Russia economically for decades, and it keeps hitting roadblocks. Russia is a very wealthy nation. Yes. Putin himself is said to be worth almost $200 billion. Yeah, you know, Listen, he's really the richest man in the world, right? Nobody knows, because, you know, he's, I guess he's got, all his money is in NFTs and Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can track. You know, Putin literally in his country, He's like, I live in a modest shack and I make a salary of $140,000 a year as a Russian premier. You know, he, he uh, there's a cult around Putin, like a, a cult around Trump. There's literally a cult of Trump in this country. There's a cult of personality around Putin. You know, you've seen the pictures of him shirtless and he yeah. goes and plays hockey and shit. Yeah, he's so, like you know, Black belt in judo and shit. Yeah, and he'd go out there and beat everybody up, beat up young dudes half his age with his pot belly. And can barely stand. You know, it's it's crazy. Right. But um, where, where was I? No, yeah, but as far um, and so you're talking about the how the cult of personality with Putin and yeah. what? Well, so Russia is basically trying to reassert itself. Yes. Since the early 90s, Russia had gotten some political instability under control. He locked up a lot of oligarchs. There were a lot of what you call kleptocrats. A lot of people, like one day you wake up and you're a Russian, you're a communist, um, you're a communist official running a factory. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Basically, when, when Yeltsin opened up the economy, a lot of foreign investment came. But the foreign investors knew there was trillions of dollars to be made in Russia, but they didn't know how to navigate on the ground. So they would go to these former communist officials and say, listen, we're going to buy this factory. We're going to put you over it. And they had already been already running a corrupt regime under the communists. They just started doing capitalist corruption yeah. and the people. But under communism, every Russian had a home. Mm -hmm. Every Russian had a food ration. Every Russian had free health care and free mm -hmm. education. Mm 
My Uncle aunt, Cap? Uh-huh. I was just going not to cut you off, but my aunt went to the Soviet Union when it was the Soviet Union. And I just remember her telling, it's not what you think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, there was this famous um, interview that, that um, Michael Parenti, who's a socialist scholar from the United States, a radical socialist. And he went there and talked to his, basically his counterpart. He was a, they were both professors. Mm-hmm. PhD in, uh, university and so there was this cultural exchange and he went and talked to this professor and he said I walked into this man's home he had a library of maybe 20,000 books wow. he had a, a house made or basically a housekeeper who brought them coffee and he had on this big sweater and he sat there and um, as he talked to this professor in the, in the Soviet Union at a major university in Moscow he said yes uh, in this country, uh, we had we don't have freedom like they have in America. We don't have what they have in the prosperity of America. And I, I'm so jealous of you that you are so fortunate to live in the free enterprise, free country of America. And he was like, I'm curious. He asked the, 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 the communist professor, the anti-communist professor, he's like, have you ever missed a meal? He hmm. said, you, you have a better home than most of the professors I know. Most of the professors I know are not tenured. Mm, right. You know, they 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 have to work jobs outside of academia to get in. They don't have the freedom to research what they want because right. even though the government doesn't come and say you can't research this, if you can't get a grant from a multinational corporation to do this, the university is not going to fund or back it. So right. it's like you don't even recognize the freedom you have. Mm. You know, and he says, I walk the streets of Moscow. I don't see people sleeping in the street. There are people sleeping in the streets in Moscow now. Mm. Back in eighty seven. You didn't have that shit. So anyway, yeah, their impressions of America was skewed. Our impressions of them is skewed, but that's the place for everywhere. We all live under uh, intensive propaganda. But Vladimir Putin is unhappy with the rate of economic development of his country. Many of the people in his country are discontent. Uh, You might go back a few years ago. There was this punk rock group called the Pussy Riot. And he had locked up these these girls because they were activists and they were calling for more liberalization mm-hmm. of, of the you. There are several, you know, you know about the, the Russian government poisoning and locking up dissidents. So he's got he's losing his grip on power. And there's a lot of discontent in Russia because even though there are literally trillions of dollars flowing through the Russian economy, their their economic development is a fraction because there's. A lot of the wealth is being stolen. Uh, There is a lot of inefficiency. Uh, They are highly dependent and vulnerable to the West. That's why they were like, oh, we're going to shut down the internet in Russia. We're going to shut this down. We're going to shut that down. The majority of the world was opposed to the United States invading Iraq. Mm -hmm. Did any country come and shut down our internet? Nope. Did any country come and blockade our, our, our borders? Nope. Did, did they did they seize George Bush family's foreign account across the world? Right. You, the George Bush individual and his administration committed an international war crime, and there was nothing people could do. The largest worldwide protest in the history of the world was the anti-Iraq war. The streets were flooded from 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 Osawatomie, Kansas to Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan. People are in the street, no to war, no to war, no to war. There are no weapons of mass destruction. And the United States did it and there were no consequences. And so Putin, at the same time, they're like, Putin 
needs to be a responsible head of state. Putin is like, I got all these internal problems. And just like when America has all these problems, they go to war. Uh, Chris Hedges wrote this book called War is a Force that Gives Us Meaning. And it talks about how a lot of leaders, when they are losing uh, their stance, their grip on power, they will provoke a foreign conflict. Mm. And But Putin has some legitimate concerns. Now, they say he's lying about it. He The two main things are he wants, quote unquote, denazification because Eastern Ukraine is basically an independent, a semi-autonomous uh, region that is controlled by the far-right ultranationalist neo-Nazi Ukrainians. Right. When, and Ukraine was basically a staging ground for the Nazi parties in World War II to invade and do further incursions into so Some of these Nazis might be generationally. generationally. Yes, they, they definitely are. They definitely are. But, you know, the thing is, I, I said this before, whenever white people get in trouble, they flip Nazi. Whenever they have any type of hardship, they flip Nazi. I don't care where they are. That's that's the history of Western uh, politics. Uh, when there's abundance, a lot of these good liberals, uh, uh, Bill Maher, you know Bill Maher? Yeah. He just did a whole presentation called Why I Left the Left. He was a progressive atheist yes. liberal. Now he's going Nazi. There's this other uh, uh, leftist radical author that I really like, Derek Jensen who used to rail against capitalism. He's flipping Nazi. He's going right wing. Wow. We find a lot of these progressive <laughs> white folks, They white folks every in, in the heart and mind of every white person, there's a little Klansman and a little Nazi screaming mm-hmm. to get out. And it don't take nothing but a couple of missed paychecks, right. you know, a couple of lost elections, <laughs> and the Nazi we, bust out. Like, you right. Know. And this is funny because just uh, all the things that we've been through in this nation, and we are the ones that seem like we're the most sane in this nation at times. You know what I mean? Um, but looks like it paused. Hold on. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, what I my bad. My bad for the uh, technical difficulties. No problem. But, no problem. Just but, blame uh, the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so... At this point, what does so? All right, when you watch um, the corporate media complex and how they are framing this, right? It's framed as United States are as going to save Ukraine from big bad Russia, right? Like, what are your thoughts on how this? war is being framed to the citizens of this country? Well, um, the bottom line is the the Russian Federation under Boris Yeltsin and later Vladimir Putin was promised what is called a sphere of influence, saying that even though you will not directly dominate this region or control this region, we will allow you to, to negotiate with these other nations to set up your regional bloc, trade between nations, alliances between nations, how citizens will, will navigate and travel between nations. We will give you this sphere of influence. Basically, what Putin is doing is trying to make the West, mainly the United States, pay off a debt that it's owed from the 90s. Mm-hmm. They said, we got rid of our empire. We gave up the Soviet Union. And you promised us certain concessions that you have reneged on. 
And because you have reneged on these concessions, we're basically stagnant as a nation. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather flip the board. If you won't allow me to move on the board, I'd rather flip the board and cause this disruption. So he wants this conflict to either reassert um, the Russian influence in the region through military means or force the other nations into negotiation. He also wants to send a message to the surrounding nations, you know, because if I got to be crazy, then I'm going to be crazy. Right. You know, but Putin is doing nothing different than what the United States has been doing mm-hmm. for, for the last 20 years, since the war on terror and even before that. So in the United States, it scares me, literally. Dale Jones was giving a speech one time, and he was uh, uh, referring to the, the level of, of uh, direct control, mass manipulation that the media has to turn a saint into a sinner. And he stated that if the media and the propaganda apparatus, because it's not just the media, it, it, is, it is a confluence between the, the, the school's formal education, the private corporate media, the, the government uh, propaganda and, and outlets. There are several, and the, the church, the church entertainment and news media, there is a, 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 a symbiosis between all these outlets that basically uh, serves to, to um, set up, to, to, to create, to construct the mentality of everybody in this country, you know? And it's, it's mind control, it's mass manipulation, it's, it's direction and, and exploitation. But Dell Jones said they could have, they could mobilize the masses of the black people to target and to kill off the black radicals, wow. which is basically what they did. Yeah. You know, they, this is basically what they did. The, the, the whole war on crime was a war on black militants. Mm. And so it, it blows my mind. I was just, um, wrote did a write-up talking about how in 1988 the mujahideen were considered heroes by americans the taliban was coming to the white house to sip tea with ronald reagan Mm -hmm. and just 20 years later those same people are now devils Mm -hmm. the mujahideen are the taliban Mm -hmm. and those same people are devils remember in world war ii russia was our beloved allies And then after World War II in the 1950s, the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, the Russians were our bitter, bloody enemies. Mm -hmm. And who hated the Russians the most were the Republicans and the conservatives. And now the conservatives love the Russians. (laughs) The the, the leader, the mascot, you know, let me tell you all this. Trump is not the leader of the right wing or the Republican Party. He is a mascot. Yeah, yeah. Now, he goes on there. Uh, uh, um, what do he say? He said, uh, Putin is a genius. Putin is a genius. Can you imagine Reagan saying Khrushchev is a genius? He said he was the, he said Khrushchev was over the evil empire. So you see how people just fucking change. Yeah, yeah. I meet people in my lifetime that I know, that I know in my lifetime that was like, one night you go to bed 
and you couldn't find Ukraine on a map if I gave you a detailed map and paid you a million dollars and gave you a month. And today, Ukraine is the center of your heart. You're praying for a place you didn't know existed. Yeah. Remember, just a few months ago, everybody, the number one nuclear threat was North Korea. Mm. When Trump was, 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 was provoked, uh, Kim Jong-un. Mm -hmm. And he was, and, and I went, I was uh, teaching urban agriculture at a local high school. And I walked into the high school about to tell these kids how to sprout, you know, how to sprout legumes. <laughs> and I walk into class with my 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 dirt and my trays, and they're like, Is, are the Koreans gonna bomb us? Hmm. Wow. Just four, four years ago, we were losing sleep thinking about now who when the last time you heard anybody say anything about Korea? Korea's still testing bombs. Right. Right. Korea's still testing bombs. No, but now Korea is no longer a threat. What happened to the caravan? Remember the Republicans were like, oh, the southern borders, we're being invaded through the southern borders. Remember they said there were caravans yep. coming from Honduras. And yep. they remember they said Al-Qaeda has infiltrated the caravans and, and terrorists on our southern border. MS-13 and, and MS-13. When the last time you heard some white folks say anything about MS-13? Right, right, right. <laughs> and let me tell you, the next major national election cycle is in November. Mm -hmm. After November, you ain't going to hear shit about Ukraine. Mm. And that's regardless whether Russia sets up an occupation or Russia retracts to the border. You're not going to hear shit about it. Mm. And guess what else you're not going to hear? You're not going to hear critical race theory. Mm, right. Right. Remember, they're making laws against critical race theory. Remember Sharia law coming to America? Yeah, I remember. Remember, they was in Wisconsin where they yeah. don't even have any mosques, let alone Muslims in, in Wisconsin. And they were making laws banning Sharia law. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I call it critical race hysteria. Yeah. It's hysterics. Mm-hmm. So they gin up these people. So in the U.S. media, the U.S. media, and I'm looking for Omicron. Check under your desk. <laughs> right. Where the fuck has Omicron gone? Yeah, right. <laughs> so they keep the United States in perpetual. The thing is, when you're under stress, you're, you're, this thing called, you have two parts of your brain. Basically, the, the cognitive or rational part, the 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 cerebral cortex, and then you have this thing called the limbic brain or what some kind call the reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a high stress situation or, or in a perpetual situation, stress, where you've got perpetual stressors, your rational mind is, can't perform at its peak. Right. You ever see people when they study, when you got to go to a place to study, what do they want? They want a quiet, calm environment. Yes. So that your rational mind, your cognitive intellectual self can come to the fore. Mm -hmm. In a chaotic place, you ever see somebody who's like, oh, they were shooting at you. And people's like, I just went into automatic mode. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. was moving. I was just acting. I don't even remember what I did. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we saw that car hit your baby. And that lady lifted that car and pulled her yeah. baby out. She's like, I have no recollection of that. Mm -hmm. They want us on fucking autopilot. Right. Right. They want to say, and you ever heard of Pavlov's dogs? No, I haven't. Um, Pavlov was a guy, you ever heard the ring the bell and the dog would drool? Pavlovian. So there was this scientist um, who wanted to understand behavior. So basically he did this experiment on the dogs and would control the dogs through 
like ringing bells. So he would ring a bell and feed the dog, ring the bell and feed the dog. And whenever he'd ring the bell, the dogs would start to salivate their gastric juices and they would, they get, became programmed to associate food with the bell, mm -hmm. even if there was no food. Right. They became. And so humans, what one part they never tell us about that experiment to get the dogs under mind control, basically mind controlling dogs, is those dogs were under stress. They were kept, they weren't treated like regular dogs. Like if you have a dog at home that you walk every day and allow him to play and you rub his belly and you treat him like a companion, mm -hmm. then the Pavlovian condition doesn't work. The dogs, they keep limited in limited life scope, the limited ability to function. So it takes a certain level of limitation. So they got you thinking, I got to work. I got to pay bills. I can't. They don't want people. They tell people, don't take. They want STEM education. They don't want you to learn. They got people right now, black people talking about, oh, I want to learn. Uh, teach me my taxes. Teach me about taxes. Teach me about bank account. Teach me about real estate. They literally are asking the school system mm -hmm. system to take our children and turn them into cogs to fit into the economy. They want them to shape children into production units. They want to start training children to be literal human resources mm. for capitalism. Now, we don't even get offended when we hear human resources. Right. They used to call workers the labor force. Right. The labor force. Right. Right. They don't call us the labor force anymore because workers had their own independent power. Mm. So you had the workforce or the labor force. You had the management class, the ownership class, and the governing class, and the military, the military force. But now they were like, you're not the labor force. You're the human resource. And we don't even get offended at that shit anymore. Man. So right. they want, and now we beg them to turn us into, we want to, it used to be your human resource training started intensely in college or when you got your first job. So yes. when you go work at McDonald's in high school, they'll treat you whether you went to work for Lockheed Martin or you went to work at the DMV, the basic principles that you learn working at your first job working the line, following the management skill, showing up on time, wearing a uniform, conditioned response. That used to start. But now we're literally begging them, oh, they need to teach my child how to live in the world. <laughs> and what is your child's role in the world? To be a human resource, a cog in the capitalist machine. Right. But when you look at, look at Bill Gates' kids, they study philosophy. <laughs> they study the violin. <laughs> you know, they contemplate. They study art, the Baroque era. Right. You know, they study poetry. Right. Why? Because a, a, a mind that is trained in the liberal arts, and we think liberal is a bad word now. Mm -hmm. The mind trained in the liberal art gives you the capacity to, to think creatively. Oh, yeah. To think things that, that are disconnected. We just want to know, how do I do fill out a, a 1020? <laughs> and my teachers Teach me how to fill out a 1020. You know, and, that's fucking crazy. Right. And I was going to say, MIT just did a study where they showed that Music. Children learning an instrument. I read that study. Yeah. Music helps to develop the cognitive mind more than mathematics. Right. Yeah. You know. And I'm not saying don't study STEM. I'm yeah. not saying don't study sciences, math, engineering. I'm saying be a whole person. Right. Because if you're a mathematician or an engineer who doesn't understand the humanities, who doesn't understand the course of human history, 
who has no, who does, hasn't had ethics and philosophy, you will use your skills to murder millions of people and not have any qualms about it because you right. have no ethical or humanitarian development. Your empathy has been, hasn't been developed. You don't study psychology and you don't understand how your employer is manipulating your mind. Right. If you don't understand political science, you don't understand, I'm just a scientist working away, but you don't even have any concept of what the politician is going to do with the bombs or the instruments you're creating in your little laboratory. Right. And, and so Americans, mm -hmm. <laughs> what was this one saying? Americans are the best entertained and the least educated people in the world. Americans are under perpetual stress, mm -hmm. whether they're fearing phantoms, like white folks are afraid of critical race theory, black people, we scared of the police. Right. You know, my license is good. My tags are good. My insurance is paid up and a cop gets behind me. I still got a fucking problem as mm -hmm. old as I am. Mm hmm. You know, I ain't got no illicit drugs. I ain't got no weapons. But a cop, the Chicago Police Department gets behind me right now. I got to fuck. So we're all under perpetual stress. And people even come to me like, oh, you so negative. Man, no, all of the, everything is negative. So Americans lack the desire, the will, and many of us lack the capacity to fully grasp what it says. So Americans like to be, it's easier than developing your own thoughts. Like if I'm a Christian, I don't have to say, determine what's wrong and right. There's an old stupid book that tells me everything that I can do in terms of sex. You read Proverbs. It tells you how to do your hygiene. It tells you what you can and can't wear. It tells you what you can and can't eat. You don't have to, that's something I don't have to think about. So that's how people are with politics. Mm. I'm a Republican, whatever the Republicans say is go. Yeah, I'm a Democrat, whatever the Democrats say go. I'm apolitical. So I ain't into none of that. I don't care. I don't vote, which is an ideology, which is another form of manipulation. So Americans are going to believe, depending on their, their sphere of whatever ideology or mm -hmm. that, that they're under. It's like, what's a lot of black, uh I was going to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but wasn't there a time in this country where journalism was about investigating what yes. was really happening? Like, when do you yeah, think yeah. that, when do you think that turn started happening to where, you know, it went from investigative reporting to just uh, bullshit with an agenda? Okay. Um, it happened, it, it, it happened in two phases, basically. Um, journalism and the media, the journalism is the mm -hmm. only job in the United States that has constitutional protection, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. right. to inform people. The, the, the rapists, the pedophiles, the enslavers, the genocidal maniacs who founded this country said you can't have a democracy without um, an informed citizenry. If the citizens are uninformed, they can't make choices in self-governance. So they, they literally locked in protections for the journalistic profession into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But coming up, what happened was uh, basically capitalism destroyed journalism. And the way capitalism got into journalism is through media consolidation. So there were limitations on what could be owned, what, how, much any how much media any individual can own and control. So Ronald Reagan in the quote-unquote Reagan revolution 
uh, could not get the legislation to allow for mass media consolidation. He couldn't get it through because uh, the Democrats controlled the, the, the Congress. And so any media uh, liberalization, actually it was called liberalizing media or, or getting rid of the regulations on media consolidation and media ownership. And some of the regulation was first like the Fairness Act, meaning that if you were... Um, if you were a media outlet, a newspaper or a television station or a radio station, if you had a conservative viewpoint, you had to demonstrate that you are giving balanced viewpoints. So right. if you have a conservative on, you have to have a liberal or a progressive on. Yeah. If you're going to report on, on, if you're going to have a representative of the police in, you had to have a representative from the community, basically the Fairness in Media Act. And, and also, if you were an entrepreneur or a media owner, if you owned a newspaper in a region, like if I owned a Kansas City Star, I couldn't own a Kansas City television station. If I owned a Kansas City sta television station, then I couldn't own a Kansas City radio station. Like you couldn't own multiple, multiple media outlets. And also, if you were vested in certain industries like military, then you couldn't be vested or ownership in military and so there were regulations. And then there were also just basic traditions, meaning that even if you owned the media, you had to be hands off. So if I was a newspaper tycoon, it was considered inappropriate for me to walk into the office. So most media owners would always pride themselves on my, I'm hands off. All I do is put the, the capital up and facilitate the, the journalism, but my journalists are independent. Right. You know, so anyway. That was tradition. Ronald Reagan couldn't officially destroy that tradition in U.S. media. So what he did was say, even though the Congress creates and controls the regulations, it's up to the executive branch to enforce the laws and policies. He said, I'm not going to enforce it. Hmm. And then the Bill Clinton administration came and blew it up. And he reformed media and he allowed for capitalism to be the central goal of the media. And uh, which means the generating revenues and consolidation and, and, and profit. So he, through his administration, because he was a Democrat, Bill Clinton was able to do a lot of things that the he advanced a lot of Republican policies that the Republicans could have never gotten through because of Democratic opposition. Also, NAFTA was a Republican policy that he got through. In fact, there's the since the Bill Clinton administration, there have been several longstanding Republican agendas and policies that the Republicans couldn't get through that Repub that Democrats passed through. Mm -hmm. The Obamacare came out of the Heritage Foundation yeah, and was a Republican policy. Yeah. So Bill Clinton's media reform. Um, he's just. Uh, I was just uh, reviewing um, this book, Who Stole the Soul. That's my. That's what I was working on when when you text me. The last I'm oh, doing that's the book that you're working on. Yeah. Oh. Uh, in 1993. Mm -hmm. what, what's it called? I'm just the Telecommunications Act of 1996. Okay. Yeah, this is the book I'm. Who stole the soul? Okay. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I, I was actually, I'm learning this new software. My son was showing me. But anyway, uh, the 1996 uh, Telecommunications Act basically put the last coffin in the nail. So for many years, like the Carter administration in 1970s, 
was the last presidential administration that actually fought to uphold media regulation and fight against media consolidation. Reagan said, I'm not going to enforce the law. I can't change the law, but you can't uh, uh, get me to enforce the law. And then when Bill Clinton was, and then you had Bush, who basically Bush always felt kind of vulnerable. So he was kind of like a bridge between Reaganism and the Clintons, the neoliberalism. He was the bridge between Reaganomics and neoliberal economics of the Clinton. So the Telecommunications Act of 1996 was the last nail in the coffin, which made official policies that had already been enacted for over a decade under the um, two consecutive Republican presidents. Mm. That's where it was destroyed. Not that U.S. media was ever that great because it was still media under. So there was always censorship. But a lot of times journalists saw themselves as opponents to the government. So the government would come in and, and censor and try to intimidate media outlets. And, but it was much better. But what brought about this cartoonish buffoonish, like I can't watch corporate media. I can't, it, it, it blows my mind. Like if I'm going to visit my in-law uh, or, or other people that I know that, that have the news playing in the background and I get a glimpse of corporate media, it blows my, it's offensive. It is offensive to, to, to your intelligence. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's it's but it's not just that. And the schools are complicit. The 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 churches are a big part. Um can you explain, to, explain explain that some. How are the churches complicit? Well, most people in this country are Christian. Mm -hmm. Most black Muslims in this country come out of the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Christian religion and Islam is a, basically a death cult. It's a death cult. So they have this apocalyptic prophecy. So people are brought up in their lives saying that in the future, there will be famine, pestilence, wars, and rumors of war. So people are told every Sunday, oh, this is just the way of the time. This is just a sign mm. of the time. And you focus on the Lord being your salvation. So it tells you two things, that the world is going to be disrupted and corrupt. Mm -hmm. It's unavoidable because it is part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. And number two, your salvation comes from outside yourself. It comes from right. on high. Right. Mm -hmm. So it makes people, basically, it pacifies people and makes people accepting. Now, we don't have to have these fucking wars. We don't have to have billionaires flying rockets, spending money to fly rockets in space while there are literally thousands of people sleeping on the bridges. <laughs> but if you accept the fact that this wicked world hmm. and you accept this body ain't nothing but a vessel, <laughs> what makes things most valuable is their scarcity. Mm -hmm. If you believe that your life is eternal, mm -hmm. You will not value life. There is no way that your cognitive mind can marry the idea that life is valuable and precious and it is eternal. Mm -hmm. There's no way to reconcile that. Mm -hmm. So if you believe in eternal afterlife, there's no way you cannot properly value life. Right, right. So there are so many fundamental teachings. In fact, the churches, the religions that exist, because Islam, was a part one, Allah was one of many gods. The Middle East used to have a pantheon or many gods, polytheistic culture. 
And Allah was one of many of those gods. And in order to, I always say that Islam is icing on a cake called Arab nationalism. Hmm. When you get one religion, you get to consider, you look at the nations that had monotheism, those tend to be the most warlike and imperialistic. So, I mean, there's so much, and I don't want to get into that because when she yeah. talks about people's Lord, their God, their God <laughs> never speaks for himself. So everybody got to defend their punk ass gods because their God is obviously scared of me because I've been talking about him since I was 14 and he's yet to step to me and keep sending <laughs> his, his, his lambs to talk and, and oh. to beg with me. But long story short is mm-hmm. apocalyptic religion and mm-hmm. salvation th- theology allows people, makes people very complicit and complacent Mm -hmm. under imperialism, mass media manipulation. The Bible also teaches you to be an obedient slave and a humble citizen that people empowered by nature of being in power are ordained by God. So you could get all the media manipulation you want, but if you can't attack people's emotion, Mm -hmm. because the media tries to hit you here, Mm-hmm. But unless you're vulnerable here, God, and, and, and singing songs, and again, you notice when people are in high-stress situation, you see people at church, and they're trembling, mm-hmm. and they're shaking, and, you know, their cognitive minds are, 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 are diminished or turned off in the limbic brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they rile you into a frenzy, and it's the same thing. You want people to go to war. What do they do in, 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 church, in, 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 in the military? They have you chant. I don't know what I've been told. I don't know what I've been told. They get you to kill. Yeah. What do they do in the church? Jesus on my side, Jesus. They chant in churches. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, holy, holy, it's the same shit because it's they, they're all trying to do the same thing. Capture the minds of the people because we are the power. The yeah. people are the power. And they have to convince us to surrender our power to Elon Musk, to Biden. Putin, they have to convince us. And that's why things like socialism, people cooperating and sharing with each other, secularism, people looking to themselves for salvation as opposed to out, people valuing the life as it is now and not or- orienting themselves to some great beyond, these things are suppressed. Yeah, right. These things are suppressed, you know, and that's what makes us vulnerable. So you have to fight on all those fronts. Because some people be like, I don't like Biden. You got people thinking they radical because they they anti-democratic. I don't vote for Biden. So therefore, that's not a radical. Not voting is not an ideology. Being anti-Biden is not an ideology. Um, Yes. Okay. Oh, I told my wife. How long... Oh no, we just yeah, just one just one more thing, man. We just, right, one more question. Man. I'll be out. <laughs> just one more thing. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, but um is, what does China have to do with all of this? China is 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 very smart. China is an atheistic nation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I think every black person should study sinocentrism. Mm. I think I sinocentrism that. is one of the most powerful forces on the planet today. So the, Sino, the, the Chinese people basically have an idea that in it, during antiquity, for 5,000 years, China was literally the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And they view this time of the rise of the Western imperialist power, the time of the... So they view this as a deviation from the natural course of history. Because mm-hmm. the natural course of history is the world and culture centered around China, around Beijing. So China's basically saying... When they look at a conflict, they say, what's in the best interest of 
China. And so they are basically playing offside. They're talking to America and how they want uh, the United States. So they talk to the United States and say, well, we can limit some trade or we can in some ways sanction. And then they go talk to the Russians. Hmm, right. So they're negotiating with all parties right. for the best interest of the Chinese. Right now, the best interest of the Chinese is saying that we can't actively challenge Russia because, again, open conflict with Russia would, wouldn't necessarily derail, but would, would obstruct some of China's agendas on the steppes in, in Asia. Mm-hmm. And open hostility with the United States will hurt China diplomatic. So they have geographical interests where they don't want to openly conflict with Russia, and they have diplomatic interests and economic interests where they don't want to fight with the rest. But they're basically like, let these white people have their tribal fights. Yeah. China has been watching Europeans beat the shit out of each other for Mm -hmm. generations. And so China's basically going to step back and, and, and come to pick up the pieces after it's over. Right. So Russia's losing influence in in Asia because people are like, Putin is the new Hitler, which is absurd. He's not. And I'm not on the side of Putin. Right. I'm not on the side of NATO. I'm anti-NATO. I'm anti all forms of military aggression and nuclear uh, uh, threats. I am on the side of African people. Right. The African continent and the African diaspora. But back to China. China is going to sit around and pick up the pieces. If Putin is successful, it will establish a new status quo for that region. And China's going to say, okay, you can use the military to assert your political will. So Taiwan, I'm going to do the same shit. Hmm. So, and it's justified. But they started doing that during the war on terror with preemptive strikes. Oh, we can do preemptive strikes? So let's do preemptive strikes. You know, Russia's just doing a preemptive strike. That's all the fuck he's doing. And right. when America did it, we 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 were all patriotic. We all had flags. I couldn't walk. I was living in New York City at the time. And I in, in fucking pre-gentrification Bedford Stuyvesant, you know. <laughs> wow. I was working in Bushwick at Wyckoff High Spital. And I'm looking at people who can't even speak English flying the American flag, people who ain't even here legally flying the flag. You know, I was in New York when 9-11 hit, you know. And flags went up everywhere. Everybody had a flag lapel. But anyway, so China's waiting to pick up the pieces. China thinks Russia's action is going to uh, uh, justify some of its own actions. If it's justified, if if if, if uh, Putin fails um, um, militarily, then China is going to be like, well, we we uh, we were on the side of history. We we're on the side of right. But China's representing China, which is what Africa should do and what African diaspora needs to do, you know. Right. But basically, this is this is white tribal warfare. Right. If this, if this same conflict was happening on the African continent, they'd be like these savages, you know. This right. is white tribal warfare. You know, I, had, I did this presentation a while ago called The Myth of White Unity because Black people were like, oh, white people have power because they stick together. And the problem with Black people is we don't stick together together uh if unity was a prerequisite for power white folks europeans would be the 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 least powerful people in the world so unity is not the prerequisite for power especially western power under capitalism because remember before that they let greece totally collapse economically and greece is the home of white civilization and remember france was having its yellow vest rebellion 
and and Brexit and and let's not talk about uh, northern and southern. Uh, they talking about Scotland is wanting to break away from Great Britain again, and everybody was mad at at uh, Germany because Germany was having such economic dominance over the entire Western uh, Europe. And there's no such place as Europe. Europe is in Asia, yeah. and the Chinese also understand that. Like, there's no continent of Europe. You are Eurasians. You are nothing but you know an offshoot. Our grandkids. So, um. I think that China has, has been making some very astute moves. Not that I'm ringing the bell for China because China is for China. And even if that means, you know, dominating and trampling Africa. Well, well, well that's what I'm going to ask you. Before you go, do you think some leftists blindly, like, praise, well, I wouldn't say blindly, but um, mistakenly praise China um because uh because china is a communist nation china is not communist well i know, I know some china left is no more communist than america is democratic some left some leftists that i talk to they they will argue you up and down that china is a leftist well, a communist nation i wouldn't argue back with them <laughs> i don't know how you define communism this doesn't have to be a fight we list and write down what is communism and then we look at what China does. We look at China's economy. We look at China's political party and the agendas and priorities. We look at the, the average Chinese citizen and their day-to-day -day life. And we say, is this communism? Right. It ain't hard. If we, it's written down. If I come to you and say, I'm a good Christian, we can look at Christian teachings, Christian dogma, Christian traditions. We can look at what the Christian Bible requires of people who believe that Jesus Christ is their sacrifice, Lord and Savior. And we can look at how I conduct myself. I can call myself whatever the fuck I want to call myself. But at the end of the day, we the proof is in the pudding. Hmm. And to quote the Bible after trying to tear down the Bible, you judge a tree by the, tr the, the, the fruit it bears. Hmm. China is state centralized capitalist nation. If China was communist, you wouldn't. How many billionaires yeah. are in China? Yeah, there's there's a lot. How many billionaires? I now think, there is a rule. I think they well. They the other argument is that you know um, their programs are are bringing the citizens out of poverty. Yes, and yeah. so I think they may look at that as that's a you. Yeah, that's true. China does employ some communistic and socialistic policies and 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 values, but mm -hmm. that is not the, the 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 overall characteristic of the nation. That's not the that's not right. you know, um I wish China was communist, but it's not. It's it's an authoritarian state capitalist nation. Right. But the left is very desperate. The left has been losing. We've been getting our fucking asses kicked since the last time we had any major leftist victory was in the uh, mid-1960s. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. we had the decon. And in fact, what the brothers and sisters secured for us in the 60s from the non-alignment movement, African decolonization, and the civil rights and black liberation struggle, we haven't even held on to the minor victories we won a generation ago, right. let alone advanced and built on those victories. Well, we're not even aware of them. <laughs> right, and so what we do instead is look for any, any win we can have. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yes, here I come. And Dale Jones said, we lose so much, we don't even know what victory looks like. Mm. So wow. I... 
I'm not mad at leftists. I am a leftist. Mm-hmm. I want to unite and coordinate with all leftists. But sometimes I understand desperation. Yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah. want to see a victory. You want to make sure that, you know, being a leftist is very isolating in this country, especially mm-hmm. and in other places. Being a leftist is not an easy thing to do. And you don't want to look in the mirror every day and say, I'm losing. You right. don't want to look in the mirror every day and say, damn, I've dedicated my life. My whole identity is 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 based around this ideology and it's fucking eroding. It's fading from relevance. Mm. So we'll try to anybody we see doing good and has any slight symbolist of, of progressive or leftist. We want to stamp. OK, this is us. We This is a victory for us. I understand that psychologically. That is something that, that we all do. My team, you know, even now. Uh, that one Uncle Tom, that, that Nigerian UFC fighter. Oh, um, I know. Is, yeah, Israel. Uh, Israel. You know, that, that goddamn coup. I look yeah. at these coons fight, and I see Black people doing good, and I'm like, yeah, because I'm pro-Black. I'm Pan-African. Yeah. So I have to tell myself, you know, fuck Kanye. <laughs> fuck Adesanya. Fuck Dave Chappelle. But yeah. I see these Black people do something halfway positive. And I want to be like, yay, but I'm like, man, fuck. So I understand that's the same thing with leftist ideology. You see a nation say, well, you know, they're they're Maoist, they're communist, they claim to be. That's enough. Russia is fighting against NATO. So yeah, Stalin's fighting. I'm like, I I I've been called a Russian bot and a US agent all in the same week. Yeah. Just telling the truth. Nobody will come to see you like, well, your conclusions or analysis are incorrect, and this is why. And here's the correct position. They just say, oh, you said something that's against NATO, so you're a Russian agent. Oh, you said something that's against Putin. You're pointing out the racism in, in, in Soviet Russia. Yeah. Or, or post-Soviet Russia. Oh, you, you, you're pro. I got people in my page literally calling me two opposite things. Right, right. They calling me a sinner and a saint at the same goddamn time, and I just can't. I'm it's exhausting. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Diallo, man, hey, that was a hell of a breakdown. I appreciate you. Uh, until we meet again, my friend. Anytime, I, bro. No doubt, Anytime. no doubt, man. You have a good night, man. Peace. All right, and I'm sorry I mixed up the time zone, man. Oh uh, no, it's to, it, it happened when know. it was supposed to happen, man. We we got oh, it in, yeah. man. So I appreciate you. All right, bro. Good night. All right, you too.